was, uh, I guess I didn't realize that we're in the southeastern part of the state, right? Southeastern Kentucky. We're from southeast Indiana. Obviously, God loves the southeastern parts of the state. Amen? Come on. There's something special about southeast. I don't know what it is, but we praise God for that. So for, if you're trying to figure out exactly where we're, we're right, where Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky meet, and we're from a small town called Milan, the rest of the world... Duke, it's Milan, right? It's Milan, Italy. But if you're from Milan, you call it Milan. Um, how many of you have seen the movie Hoosiers with Gene Hackman? Greatest sports movie ever made, right? Gene so that's our town. That's, our, that's my school. That's where I graduated. It's not really Hickory. It's Milan. And that was the story of the 1954 state championship in the old days. That's where my kids go to school. So it's just an honor to be here with you all. It's been a privilege to get to know your pastor uh, more and more, and I look forward to getting to know him even more because we have a kindred spirit. I can tell uh, very clearly that we're, we're, we're going in the same direction, and that's just a, uh, that's an exciting thing. And so it's a privilege to be here with you all, and uh, we just want to thank you, Brother Donald, for having us, and uh, we, we, we appreciate all of your hospitality and for, for, uh, for all that you've done for us. So this morning, if we could, let's just stand as we get ready to get into the Word of God and let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts this morning. So here's what I'm going to say to you real quick. Um, no matter what happens over the next few minutes, still come back tonight. Come on, are you with me? Listen, so I want to get your commitment before I ever preach that you're going to come back tonight. All right, are you all going to come back tonight? Amen, yes. All right, so, so no, no matter what happens now, you've already committed, you'll be here tonight. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you with all of our hearts for the privilege of being able, able to gather together in your name, worshiping the greatest name known to humanity, the name of Jesus. And Lord, when we gather in your name, you do exactly what you promise. Your presence is with us. We're so thankful for the presence of Christ that's in this place. Now, Lord, as we get ready to open your word, I ask that you would overshadow my weakness, my inability, and Lord, just let the word that you want to come forth come out this morning. Speak to our hearts, challenge us, equip us. Lord God, just begin to speak to each and every one in your way, the way you can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise before you sit down. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start reading at the 18th verse. Listen, I didn't come this morning to teach you anything you probably don't already know, okay, if that's all right. You have a phenomenal pastor, phenomenal, phenomenal pastoral staff. I just came, hopefully, I feel like the Lord said, just, I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you of who you are, who I am, who we are. I want to speak to you for the next few moments about identity and who we are in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so you may not learn anything. How many, this, I'm a practical guy. I'm a, I'm a, it don't, I don't care how much you know. I want to know how much you do. Right? I don't, I don't wanna, it doesn't matter how much we understand in our mind, but how much are we practicing? How much are we following through? Where's the evidence? Where's the fruit? I don't know if any of you are old enough. I'm sure you are. I'm not that old. But if you remember a, a campaign years ago, I think it was for Wendy's, and there was a little old lady, and she would say this, where's the beef? Come on, how many remember where's the beef commercial, right? That's me in Christianity. Like, where's the beef? Where's the meat? Show me Show me reality, right? And so, so I just want to talk to you about that for a few moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, Paul says to the church, 
Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. As human beings, we are deeply driven by our sense of identity, the idea of who we are. And you and I see that in many aspects of society today. There are a lot of people right now on their own personal journey trying to figure out who they are, trying to create their identity or what they believe their identity should begin to look like, correct? There was a famous psychologist by the name of Abraham Maslow. Maybe you've heard of him. And through all of his research, he created what has been called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. How many of you heard of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs? Yeah. And so according, according to Maslow, there are five levels of human need. The, the bottom levels are things like the need for, for shelter and the th- need for food and for security. We understand that. But the top three levels of human need, according to Maslow, all had to do with our sense of self, right? It had to, had to do with a sense of identity, things like the need for love and the need for affection, the need to be a part of a group, or the need to have self-esteem, or the ability to achieve potential, right? We know, based on research, that identity has a huge impact on how we make decisions, don't we? We understand that if, if you have a low self-esteem, we end up finding that a lot of times what follows that are bad and negative and destructive decisions. In fact, one philosopher said it this way, I think, therefore I am. Boy, that's true, isn't it? I think, therefore I am. Now, all of that's good information, and we thank God for that good information, but make no mistake, All Maslow was doing and all the psychologists are doing are confirming what God already knows, aren't they? They're just confirming what God's word already reveals to us, and that is God wants us to understand our identity. Understanding our identity is very important, right? But listen, you have to understand today that if you are searching for your identity apart from God, that is a frustrating task. That is, a, that is a tiring endeavor. In fact, it's quite foolish to begin to search for your identity or try to figure out who you are if you're doing it apart from God because every one of us in this room have been fearfully and wonderfully designed by our Creator. We, there is something of God in our DNA, and so to search the world or to search, to search our, our, our life as it is apart from God looking for identity, is very tiring, very frustrating, and very foolish, correct? And so what I begin to realize is that the Word of God, really from Old Testament to New, speaks about identity. I want you to think about it. Think about the call of God on Abraham's life. God calls this man out of his community, out of his society, and he says, just go and and follow me and trust me and believe me for something in the future, right? Right? And out of Abraham, God creates a nation. 
And throughout the Old Testament, God is continually pouring into the people of Israel and telling them, you're not like everyone else. You're different than everyone else. You're set apart from everyone else. I have a plan for your life. I have, I have destiny for you. I have future for you, right? That's all throughout the Old Testament. Well, guess what? That theme then continues on into the New Testament for the believer and follower of Jesus Christ as well. And so for our church, for the last few, few weeks, I've been preaching out of the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm intrigued by the church at Corinth. If you've never studied, let me just give you, it's a, it's a fun study to begin to study the book of Corinthians, and especially the Corinthian church. They are, it's an intriguing church to me. Because in many ways, the Corinthian church, were, they were advanced in some areas. They, they kind of got the thing of, of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, at least in some measure. But listen, this church was really a mess. Let's just be honest. If you begin to look, they were a mess. They, they were doing things like coming together, celebrating the Lord's Supper or communion, and they were bickering and fighting and getting drunk in the church. How many of you know when you're getting drunk while celebrating the Lord's Supper, that's a problem. That's an issue, right? They had a man that was a part of the fellowship that was having an affair with his stepmom. How many of you know that's not good for the church, right? That doesn't work. And they were misusing the gifts. And so what happens is Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins to deal with a lot of these issues because he has to. And there are a lot of scriptures like the one that we just read where, where Paul is really, what it clicked to me is what Paul's doing, what the Holy Spirit's doing is he is trying to change their identity. He's trying to make them realize that they're not who they used to be. Because see, Corinth was a wicked city. Corinth was a metropolitan city. It was a large city, much like a large city in America today. There was a lot of greed. There was a lot of materialism. There were tons of philosophies. Man, they had Dr. Phil and Oprah. I mean, they had, just like we do today, any idea that you want to pursue, you can turn on the TV or the internet and find someone to promote it. Right? They had that. They had philosophies. And I, but they were all separate and distinct from God's will. They were, it was a very sensual, sexual, crazed community in society. So much so that there, were pag, there was pagan worship, um, pagan temples all over the community. And there were tem, uh, uh, temple prostitutes. And so, listen, you got to realize, we got to put ourselves in what's going on. The people that are being saved and coming to know Jesus were a part of that culture. Are you following me? That's what they understood. That was their identity. They identified themselves with that type of lifestyle. And so you read the book of Corinthians and you're reading it and, and, and Paul doesn't mix words. Man, he comes down on the church. So much so in his second letter to the church, he doesn't really apologize, but he said, listen, man, I came down on you all and it brought conviction upon you. And I thank God that it brought conviction, which led to repentance, right? Remember that in the second. And so, so but you're reading it and if you're not careful, you're studying Corinthians, you're like, but here it is, you know, this, here's religion, 
you know, don't do this and, and, and don't do that and, you know, quit having sexual, you know, don't, don't get into sexual immorality and, and, and stop the excessive things and all of this. But, but what I begin to realize is that's true and that's there and that's clear. Anybody can figure that out. But what I realize is what God was really doing and what God is really trying to get the point across is he's saying, Listen, it's not so much about the Holy Spirit, a pastor, spiritual leaders in your life walking behind you every day. You should do this. Tomorrow when you go to work, be careful what you watch on the internet. We, we, don't, we don't need that necessarily if we'll begin to realize who we are in Jesus. If we'll begin to realize that we've been called out of that garbage and we've been given a new identity. And if we'll begin to embrace our new identity, guess what happens? We'll begin to re- act and live based on our new identity. And I begin to realize that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's trying to change the entire atmosphere of the church, the, the way that they thought, the way that they, that the way that they interacted. So this young church is being, God is just beginning to pour into them to begin to change their identity. And so I want to read now that verse that we just read again. He says, flee sexual immorality. And then he goes on and says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that you're no longer your own? You've been bought. You've been purchased. And therefore, you should glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And so what is he saying? He says, listen, if you're a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that could testify, I have the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in my mortal body. Then when, when you begin to ponder that reality, all of a sudden things change. It's the, things start to change. I'm not left alone in dealing with temptation. I'm not left alone in dealing with trial. I'm not, I'm not on an island. I'm not on some pursuit trying to figure out life on my own. I have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is within me, correct? And so you and I can't claim ownership any longer of our bodies and of ourselves, we belong to Christ. Listen, brother and sister, you have been sought after by God. You, none of us were seeking God. I wasn't seeking God at 14 years old. I gave my heart to Jesus. Like your pastor, we came from no religious background. We did not go to church. We were a mess. By the time I was 14, I had been to six different schools so from kindergarten to seventh grade, I'd been to six different schools. We traveled all over the nation. And now as I tell that, some people, oh, were your, was your family missionaries? No, we were running from the cops. That's the truth. My dad was a mess. He would go, he would get DUI after DUI, bar fight after bar fight, all sorts of corrupt behavior, and we would have to leave. And so I got to see a lot of the nation as a young person mostly from the back seat of some car. But anyway, long story short, when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ at 14 years old, listen, everything began to change. Right? I had to I began to learn a new culture, a, a new a, a new way of living, right? It didn't Yes, I was saved and I was born again, but now the process of realizing 
I'm not who I was. And not only that, listen, my, my past will not dictate and determine my future. And when I begin to realize that, you're talking about some freeing truths. That yes, my grandfather was an alcoholic and his father was an alcoholic and all of the uncles were alcoholics and my other side of the family were alcoholics. But none of that was going to determine what my future looked like because now the Holy Spirit dwelled in me and I was given a brand new identity. So, so, so everything's changing now and I'm, you're able to see things different. And, and listen, at 14, I wasn't seeking the Lord we weren't, we weren't, no, no, God sought me. Remember the exchange that Jesus has with his disciples, and we know how it goes down. But Jesus says to them, listen, fellas, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Peter wasn't thinking one day as he's out fishing, man, I hope the Messiah comes by. I really would like to follow the Messiah today. He wasn't thinking that, right? John, James, they're doing their thing. No, no, no. Jesus sought us, and he purchased us with his own blood. You and I are bought at a price. 1 Peter 1.18 says, this, this, this price, this price was not, we were not purchased with corruptible things like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of God's Son. And so to be a Christian this morning means that we have surrendered to this reality that I don't belong to myself any longer. I'm purchased. I've been bought by the blood of Christ. And so I don't rebel against his plans. I don't rebel against his work of redemption. He's working it out in me. And so the new identity this morning that we need to embrace is I belong to God. I'm not my own. Oh, that, listen, now, I, I get it. At home, we don't, get a lot, we don't have a lot of shouters and ameners either. But listen, when you're preaching, sometimes you need, listen to me. The new identity that we have to embrace today is I don't belong to, God, or to myself any longer. I belong to God. His spirit is within me. I'm not on an aimless journey, but I have purpose and destiny. Can we put our hands together and give God praise for that? And so, listen, this is reiterated throughout the book of Corinthians. And, and it's almost a parallel passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Just go there with me. Very familiar. You know what it is. And you may even be able to quote it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And let's just start reading at the 11th verse together if we can. Listen to what Paul says. He says, Oh, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you and our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. I love that 12th verse. If you just let me stop there for a moment. He, he said, look, me telling you not to have sexual affairs, idolatry, the excesses that you're involved in. He says, that's not what really is restricting you. What is really restricting you or holding you back are your own ideas of identity, your own, your own plans, your, your own ideologies, your own philosophies apart from God. He says, when you set out on a journey to try to do life apart from God in whatever aspect it is, he says, that ends up restricting you. He said, just because we're giving you boundaries and because God is laying out parameters for your life, that's not what's restricting you. And he says, now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? 
And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk among them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Wow. And so listen, the idea, we know this verse, and we quote it, and we're good at it in Christendom. But listen, the idea of of the Lord saying to us, come out and be separate suggests devotion to God for special purpose. Okay? He's saying, listen, holiness really means, at the end of the day, holiness is being consecrated or carved out and set apart for his purposes. Is that right? Yeah, and so he's saying, listen, it's not just a negative. Sometimes we read that, and the church has read that over the years, and we've mistaken it, and Paul makes it very clear. He says, listen, I wasn't telling you to not engage with sinner people. He says, that's crazy. Of course you're going to engage with sinners. You're going to work with them. You're, gonna, you're supposed to witness to them. You're supposed to, you're supposed to influence them. You're supposed to be a light to them. You're going to be friends, all that. That's not what he's saying. That's not, no, no, he says, but he says, you don't, you, you're the influencer. You don't allow them to influence you. The boat on top of the water is fine as long as it's on top of the water. When the boat or when the water gets into the boat, now we have a problem. Is that right? We know that. We know that. And so this idea of separation is not just a negative act of departure, but it's a positive act of dedication to God. And so, and so if you'll allow me this morning to give Doug Norman's commentary version of this verse. Can I, can I do that? Don't write that down anywhere so you don't have it. Don't requote it because it, it means maybe nothing. You know, I have some great comment, you know, we got Matthew, Henry, and we got some great commentators, but this morning I'm gonna give you the Doug Norman version commentary of this verse, okay? Can I, are you ready? This is what God says. Hey, you're my son and daughter, act like it. Yeah. <laughs> Just act like it. I've carved you out. I've set you apart. You have no business engaging in this stuff. Listen, this is not for you. This is not your destiny. This is not your future. You're my son now. You're my daughter. I've sought you and purchased you. You're a part of my family. And it's time that you and I start acting like it. I would say this morning, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to begin to act like it. We're in a dark, decadent time and season. I know it's dark in Manchester. It's dark in southeast Indiana. It's dark across the globe. But you and I were called to be a light in the midst of darkness. Right? And so God is setting us up. This is a setup, man. He knows exactly what he's doing. The darker the times get, the brighter the light of Christ is going to shine. And he's saying, you don't have any time, any, you, there is no effort. You need to quit pursuing the old identity, the old idea. You know, we don't have time for that because you have purpose. So Paul is clearly using some symbolism through these verses as well when he says, touch not the unclean thing. 
You see, they would have understood the Old Testament Jew was defiled if he, if he would have touched a dead body or if he came in contact with a festering sore. That was, there was literal defilement that would have taken place in the Old Testament. For the New Testament believer, we know we're not spiritually defiled by touching something that's defiled, right? We know that. But the principle's the same, and we know it. We, we, we need not to associate or partake in that which would compromise our testimony, right, or lead into the disobedience, and so I just want to say something. I just want to be very practical. Remember, you promised to come back already. Right? You promised to come back tonight. Remember? And so I'm going to say to you, I am amazed as I listen to your pastor and the vision that God has given this church. Phenomenal. And I'm telling you, listen to the testimony. I mean, clearly, clearly this church is on the precipice of something big. I'm telling you, I'm not just, I'm not stroking ego. I'm not, listen. It, you, don't, you don't have to be the most spiritual person as you just listen to some of the things that have happened and attacks from the enemy, and, but the vision and the goal, what's going on. And so, but let me tell you something. Listen, if, if we're going, all of that's phenomenal, and that's perfectly in line with it, but listen, make sure, make sure you walk pure in your testimony. Because, listen to me, mixture, mixture never is effective. Are you following me? There's never any power in mixture. Your power and my power is found in our consecration and separation unto God. And that's why I love to hear that you're doing all-night prayer meetings and you're, having, you're, you're fasting. And what are you doing? You're drawing closer to God, but yet you're walking more into the community. And that's the way it's, it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. We, we can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and ex ex expect that we're going to make a difference. No, no, no. Listen, don't ever buy the lie that's happening in the church today. If we become more like the world, then we'll win them. That's not what the, the world does not need more worldliness. The world needs to see an expression of God's holiness and God's goodness. They don't listen. It's okay, and we've, we're contemporary. I think that's whatever, however a church service is held. But church, we don't need more coffee and more lights. We need more Holy Spirit. We need more presence of God. We need more people that are willing to consecrate themselves and sell out wholly to the things of God so that God can then use them rightly. Are you with me? Is that right? And so, and so that's exactly what the Lord says. So I want to give you another, just a quick a quick Doug Norman commentary of this verse. I can tell you're all not very impressed by the Doug Norman commentary. That's cool. I'm all right. But listen. So he says, come out from among the world. Be separate. Don't touch the unclean thing. I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you. Isn't that awesome? You'll be my sons. You'll be my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So, so Doug Norman version, listen. Concerning sin, God says to you and I, you're too good for that. Don't touch it. I have far better for you. That thing you're getting ready to engage in will harm you. You have no business dealing with that. That will harm you, but I'm your father and I'll bless you. And so stay away from that thing, right? Listen, because of who you are, you have no business with that junk. Come on, church, listen. Because of who you now are, you have no business engaging in that thing. And so I don't know if I'm speaking to someone 
this morning, but maybe you're being tempted and maybe you're being drawn, but the Lord would say to you, that's not you anymore and there's nothing there for you anymore. You belong to me and that garbage has nothing for you, but I have a blessing reserved for you. I have favor reserved for you. I have power reserved for you, right? We have no business engaging in that junk. Real quick, as we get ready to close, 1 Peter chapter 2. You know, all of the verses that we're reading this morning are very, very familiar passages that we often quote. Remember at the beginning I said, oh, I want the meat, you know, we, where's the beef? And so I, I'm not great at quoting scripture for whatever reason. God never blessed me with that ability. I, we, had a, we had a traveling evangelist one time years ago came and he had a photographic memory. Real deal. Mike Manuel, do you know Mike Manuel? I don't, anyway, so I didn't know that he had a photographic memory, but he starts preaching and he opens his Bible. He didn't have any notes. He had nothing. He opened his Bible and he read like, I don't even know what it was, Psalm something maybe. And for the next 45 minutes, as God is my witness as I'm preaching to you, he quoted scripture. Is that true? never looked at his Bible again. And I'm trying to keep up with him to see, is he just playing with us? Like, what's he? And, and the verses that I could catch up to, he was reiterating. And so thank God for that. And, and Bible memorization is good. Would we all say amen in the church to that? It's good. Okay. But how many of you also know that Bible, memorizing the Bible, but, but not living the Bible, really is meaningless? Right? And, and so, so we're hearing these scriptures this morning, but we need, we need to embrace them and we need to allow them to sink in deep to begin to create change, right? And, and bear fruit in our lives. And so this one that we all know, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, I want to stop there for a moment. Did you ever stop to realize that we shout and declare that God's kingdom is going to advance, the gates of hell are not going to prevail, people are going to be the one, the kingdom of all of this, but do you realize that there is one plan and there is no plan B, and the plan that God has ordained for the church to advance for people to be saved, for communities like Manchester, Kentucky to be transformed, are the people sitting in this seat. You are plan A, and there is no plan B. God has chosen you for such a time as that. He's not bringing the angels. Hang on, listen to me. Have you ever thought, I thought, well, why would he rely on us? Why not just send, like, couldn't he just send Gabriel to Manchester Friday night after the football game, Stand up, declare the gospel. If you want to take it, if not, go on. Like that, if I was God and I was advising, I'd be like, let's just do that. Isn't that easier? No, that's not what God's design is. God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to choose a people. I'm going to call them out of drug addiction. I'm going to call them out of sin. I'm going to call them out of bondage. I'm going to break their chains, change their identity. I'm going to raise, raise them up in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're going to proclaim my goodness. You and me. He's He's resting on you and me. Now, thank God he puts his spirit and his power in us, right? 
but that's what he's chosen. He says, no, no, you're the chosen generation. You're the royal priesthood, the special people of God. Why? That you may be the ones that proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You know, when we get to heaven, they say that there's going to be at least seasons of time where the angels, the cherubs and the seraphims who right now are worshiping before the throne of God, and that's their whole duty. That there's going to have to be seasons where while when we get to heaven, they're going to have to be quiet because they're not going to know the song of the redeemed. Do you understand that? In other words, they don't, because they don't know what it was like to be lost. They don't know what it was like to be at the crack house. They don't know what it was like to be broken and burdened and heavy with sin. And so for a season of time in heaven, they're going to have to step back and you and I are going to rejoice and sing the glory of God's name of how he set us free and how he broke the chains of darkness in our life. Right? That's, that's, that's our call. That's, that's our gifting that God has given to us. He goes on to say, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Isn't that amazing? We were one, we were one, a people, we are not, listen, and we see all, we, we were searching for identity. We were searching for purpose. We were, we were not a people. We were scattered, searching, going our own direction. But he says, but now, now, if you are in Christ, you are the people of God. Now, I got to be careful because I'm from Indiana. Okay, but listen, I think, please be, listen, I say this as much. I think in Kentucky, when you talk about your family, don't y'all say, my people? Some of you do. Some, okay, okay. They do in Indiana too. But listen, listen, listen. And so what God is saying, they're my people. He's looking down while you were worshiping, while you were lifting your hands in honor to Jesus. He's calling somebody. He said, look, that's my people. My people. It was a, I thought it was a, ter, a, term of, a, a term of endearment. You know, that, that's my people. That's my, those, those my people. I get that. that we're family. We're, and God in heaven this morning is looking down on the church and says, that's my people. They're my people. Listen, that, should, that changes everything in my perspective. Why in God's name would I go home and put on something on the internet? or t- You don't need a preacher preaching to you, telling you every do and don't when you begin to recognize your identity. I don't need someone following me home and telling me, don't watch that on TV. Don't. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is inside of me and there's a new identity and I'm not a part of that old way any longer. Are you following me? We don't need legalism. We need to recognize who we are. Amen. Come on. Yeah, give God praise for that. All right. I didn't ask, but we'll get ready to sing if they want to come back. I want to close with with what's just one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43. And I want, I pray that this morning this gets in to somebody's spirit, what God is speaking. Folks, we have to understand that this identity and these phenomenal promises of Scripture, they're not for our boasting, right? Lest we become, and we've seen that kind of in trends and seasons over the church where, where we would have these, 
what I call weird services where we just go around telling each other, we're chosen generation, we're royal priests, and then we do nothing. Yeah. Okay, we, just, we just take bits and pieces and we boast and we kind of bump our chest spiritually about how great we are. No, 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 that's not why God's showing us this. That's not why God's revealing that to us, right? And, and what happens, I think, when we, we, we inadvertently become self-focused, then we do all these dances and shouts about how great we are. Not, no, 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 that's not what God's showing us. God, God's showing us this. Listen, he, not that we would ignore our responsibility, but that we would rise to our responsibility. Because the truth of the matter is, when we, when we look at society, I'm sure, like us, when you all look at your community, you think, I know what pastor's leading, and I know what he's saying, and I believe God's in this, but how? He's telling me statistics, unemployment statistics, drug statistics. Come on, you all know them. And if you're not careful, you're going to go, how? It's what, I'm, it's what Mary said when the angel of the Lord came to her and said, Mary, you're about to give birth to the Messiah. Remember that? That was probably a pretty overwhelming exchange. Wouldn't you think? You're there, you're a young lady, probably a teenager. And the angel of the Lord appears and says, hey, don't fear. <laughs> You've never been with a man. You've never had sexual intimacy. But we're about to put Jesus inside of you and you're going to birth him. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to take away the sins of the world. That's overwhelming. And do you know her very first response? Same response I would have had. How shall this be? That's what you would have asked as well. How shall, so you might be sitting here and you're looking at Manchester and London and say, how shall this be, pastor? The very next words out of the angel's mouth was the Holy Ghost. Listen, so how shall this be? The next word is the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and he shall do it in your life. Listen, the same is true for City of Hope in Manchester, Kentucky. How shall this thing be? The Holy Ghost shall come upon you and shall anoint you and shall use you and shall strengthen you to do what God's called you to do. Let me leave with this. Let me leave with this. Isaiah 43 and verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by, my, by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Would you stand tonight, today, this morning, all over? Just for a moment, with your eyes closed, your head bowed, would you hear what God says to you? He says this, I created you, I formed you, 
I redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. You're mine. Your past failure doesn't define you. Your weakness doesn't define you. Your, your failure, listen, God is defining you right now. You were created by him. You were formed by him. He called you specifically by your name. He redeemed you or he purchased you with his own blood. And he says of you, church of Jesus Christ, you are mine. God, help us to act like it. God, help us to live like it. God, help us to identify with this truth this morning. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you in this place. And God, our prayer, my prayer is, Lord, that this word would just begin to resonate in our hearts and our spirit. That, Lord, we would begin to get a glimpse and an understanding, an idea of who we truly are. That we would recognize, God, that, that what you have done for us, calling us out and separating us, Lord God, is such a profound and amazing act. And that, Lord, now you have set us up to proclaim your praises, to do your work, to, to extend your ministry, Jesus to help the poor, to reach the needy, to, to speak to the lost, to be a light in darkness. No matter what we're dealing with and what we're going through, Father, because of who we are and because of who you've made us and formed us to be, there's nothing impossible with you. And this morning we honor you. I pray for any today that may be struggling with a sense of identity. Holy Spirit, speak to them today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.